Head to Macy's Backstage for finds you can't resist, deals you won't believe, and brands you love. And right now, new fall trends are arriving every week. So what's the season's big idea? Men's styles are not just for him anymore. Men's inspired looks for her are everywhere and we're all over it. Plus, we've got lots of red to add a pop of color to your look. You never know what you'll find, but you'll always find something. We're all about everything hot for fall. For info and locations, visit Macy'sBackstage.com. Christina is joining me today as an experimental co-host, right, Christina? <laughs> Actually, it feels like um, uh, a, what do we call it, one of those, uh, we've done this before? Yeah, a little you've, deja vu. Deja vu, yeah, deja vu. I think, deja, it feels yeah. like I've done this before, yeah. Some, somehow. Maybe it was an you've ancient memory. you words. <laughs> Almost within a week. <laughs> 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 yeah, this is my very first time. <laughs> well, this is your... F- <laughs> this is my official. Yeah, because what happened was we had this, we did this show, like about a week ago, mm-hmm. and there were very mysterious, uh, something mysterious happened, and the file was just corrupted or something like yeah. that. That's what happens when we get really close to the truth. Something just Hey, wait, that's my joke. Haywire. Oh, <laughs> 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 you told me yesterday that you're already enlightened, so. Well, that's right, so that's why I am so enlightened that I can, I can just handle it if other people steal my jokes and not say anything. I have a, I have a, question, I have a question for all of us. Do do you know the f- what the four agree what the five agreements are? Uh, yeah. Could you name the five agreements that Miguel Be Ruiz? Be um, impeccable with your word. Um, don't make assumptions. Uh, don't take things personally. Always do your best and be skeptical. Is that the, that's the fifth that's the one? Fifth that's one. The, fifth so one. So I the fifth one is be skeptical. Because I was preparing for this, and it's like me stepping out and taking a little risk here. I decided I'm going to check with the five agreements. And the fifth agreement's interesting because it's all about getting real, not to listen to me, not to listen to you, be skeptical, and learn and be authentic. Mm-hmm. Be our authentic yeah. selves. So that's where... Of course, that one was the publisher's idea. <laughs> come up with another a, book. There's a sixth one on its way. We're going to we'll come up yeah. with that today. Actually, we had him on the show, Don Miguel Ruiz, when he was in Toronto uh, oh, a couple years ago. He's great. Yeah. I, met, I met him at, um, at the Chichen Itza 12-21-2012. He's quite a beautiful, brilliant man and, and very real and very authentic himself. But it's true. We... we we are going to always have our perception and our own intuitive hit about something, which is why I really enjoyed talking to you last week about Evoca. Well, that's so what we're and so we're doing it. It's as if for the people out there that it's we the didn't even do one we last week, <laughs> and uh, we've got Michael Cassidy here and Robin Rock joining us here, and uh, uh, you guys are. And correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I know because Robin, you're training as a uh, 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 Niboga. Provider, provider, is it? yes, yeah. And yeah. you're a Buiti sister. I'm not sure what that means. I'm a Buiti sister. Well, Michael and I, yeah, we were just in Africa, in Gabon, Africa, 2013 in December, and we were initiated into the Buiti tribe. Um, How much sawdust did you have to eat? Holy jeez, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I was just asking for more. I was like, give me more, give me more. I wanted to. Because it tastes so blood. good, right? It's yeah, amazing. Oh yeah. You know, they were very, very kind to the women. They actually gave us this delicious uh, syrup to eat it with. Yeah. And oh. the men, they didn't. I yeah. Honey, yeah. Yeah, they gave you a yeah. Nice yeah. yeah, you had nice honey mixed with yours, and we had, uh, we had none. 
Ours was even ground more, more into a powder for the men, and it was even more challenging. Now, now I, I, how much did you have to eat? Now, I mean, I've had the... Okay, so for people, let's just give people a little bit of an introduction here. Because we're talking on. about iboga, mm-hmm. and a lot of people might not know what it is, but uh, my interest in it was when I first heard about it, which was probably five, six years ago, was that it had potential or tremendous potential to deal with people who had hardcore addiction mm-hmm. to drugs like heroin and crystal meth and these other Cocaine things, which are alcohol. notoriously mm-hmm. difficult to treat at traditional rehab centers, and it's a big social problem, so I was interested in it. Nothing personal. I had no personal problems. No, it's uh, okay if you did. No addictions yeah. No judgment either way. No. Third agreement. <laughs> so, um, uh, but I was interested in finding out more about it, and then uh, Patrick, or Muganda, uh, came to Toronto, and uh, somehow we hooked up. He came on the show, and uh, I you know, did undergo a ceremony with uh, Patrick, and it was fascinating. But I'm just curious because uh, I had to eat some of that wood, as we call it, uh, mm-hmm. and it really didn't taste that good. Did, did you have to eat? And then I saw, or he told me that when they go through the, the actual, the big ritual. Or Which is the, in, you, it's called the, the initiation. Initiation. Yeah. That they were eating, like, uh, mass quantities mm-hmm. of this stuff. Yeah. And I just thought, wow, how do you... Stomach with that. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't. <laughs> um, well, initially, uh, with a boga, when, it's, when you have to go through uh, taking it, they call it a flooding in, in a lot of places. They will refer to it as a flooding because you, you really need to take a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, uh, I don't know, the women had to take quite a few teaspoons to actually go into that, that state of flooding. Um, it's really hard to hold down at times. Um, it's really not tasty at all. It's oh. really, it's, I liken it to sawdust uh, laced with battery acid. It's very, very bitter. Yeah. Now I've, I've, had, yeah, I've yeah. had uh, experience with other medicines and especially Chinese medicine as well, which is also very hard to stomach, but nothing is, is hard to take as this. Um, as far as the flavor. It's worse than Buckley's mixture. Yes, yes, actually Buckley's. Yes, but exactly. it works. But it works. Yeah, it totally <laughs> works. Yeah. Given that, yeah. some people might prefer their addictions. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't so, I don't know about that one. <laughs> it's, it's a one-time thing, though. It's something that people can choose to take once, and they don't have to ever go back ever again, yeah. you know, um, unless they want to continue delving into themselves. Right. Um, to answer your question, in the women's initiation, I took seven big heaping teaspoons tablespoons of this uh, root bark, uh, sorry, the aboga. And um, I was the, of the initiates, um, of the non- non-African initiates, the one who took the most. Um, a lot of the women, it was their first time taking it, and they could only handle one or two teaspoons before they were completely, like, just purging and getting it all out. Um, and I had done it five years prior, so I had had a taste of it, and I had been microdosing before. So I was kind of, like, working up. Um, my tolerance of the taste. I would walk around with um, some root bark just underneath my lip. And um, to be honest, I kind of like the taste. Mm-hmm. But it's something, it's just like uh, like anything. It's an acquired taste. And you know that, or I knew going in that it was going to help me. So, you know, at a little bit of pain for awesome benefit at the end. Just like getting a tattoo, mm-hmm. just like childbirth. I don't know about that. But, you know. But the African women that were also initiating, they took... 
30 tablespoons. They just kept feeding it down their throat. And, and they, um, they've been eating all day. All day. Yeah. And there was this one woman, an African initiate, who actually ended up purging, throwing it up, and that's a big disgrace if it's, if it's not held down long enough. Mm -hmm. So what they actually do, they, uh, the woman took her finger, another woman that was supporting her, and she looked, there was too much aboga, so she had to actually lick her own vomit with a bit of the aboga just to uh, respect the spirit of the plant mm -hmm. and the entire ceremony. So does that answer your question a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Um, Very graphic. Yeah, with the men's ceremony, thing, uh, unfortunately we didn't get honey mm -hmm. <laughs> to it's eat like with molasses, ours yeah. uh, or molasses. Um, we just had to stomach. Um, for myself, I had uh, the, on my fourth teaspoon was unable to really take much more um, not only because of the flavor, but because of the effect it was already having. And um, I had also received what's called an al uh, a total alkaloid, which is essentially we take it and create one extract of ammonia and alcohol to create an, a an alkaloid extract, which one capsule of this is like taking about four or five teaspoons. So you had one of those? And I had one of those. And is that considered cheating at all in the traditional... Uh in the Bwiti way, and I guess in the traditional way, um, they're being really gentle with us Westerners. Right. right? Okay. They yeah. uh, initiated um, usually at a young age, and they begin having ceremonies um, at birth and pre-birth, actually. Mm -hmm. Some women, they receive the boga during their pregnancies to help integrate uh, the child into their system, I guess. Uh, I really don't know why, but they, they end up getting it as well, and it's a healing tool. So they continue to use that throughout their lives, and... Um, for us Westerners, it's a big difference, you know, to to be flooded like that. Okay, so I think, uh, you know, I've said, you know, that I was attracted to it because it had the promise of being a, a real effective way of dealing with addiction, but it has other purposes. And can you maybe just give us um, an idea of how it is used in the in its traditional environment in Africa, and and what it what purpose it serves in that culture, and then. Take sure, sure. I can I can go ahead and talk a little bit about what I've learned from it, um, about, the, about the tradition of the Bwiti tradition. Uh, there are many, many different tribes in West Africa that, that utilize um, aboga as a, as a healing tool, um, and Bwiti is a tradition that they formed around that. Um, everywhere from co the Congo to Cameroon to uh, Gabon. And it was originally used by the Pygmies, uh, or what are referred to as pygmies. Uh, they're the Baka tribes, or the smaller people of the jungle people. And uh, they use it to actually communicate with the ancestors, is what they refer to it as the healing tool. It helps to heal physical ailments, but it's also used to, to um, soul search, I guess, to connect to your soul and to connect to the souls of others while you're traveling or you're going to a visionary experience. And so they connect with people who have passed on or... Um, in many cases, either ancestors or other people that have passed on, to get answers uh, for themselves. Um, the pygmies or the Gabonese also use it in small doses to use it for hunting mm -hmm. or to go for deep travels into the jungle because it opens up your perceptions a lot clearer. You're able to connect with what's going on around you. I'm just curious because uh, one of the characteristics of the experience is a lot of purging 
The polite way of saying it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Letting release, yeah. letting go. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, how does that work if you're on a hunting trip? Uh, um, does it? Do they get used to it or something? Small or? amounts won't cause the purge to happen. Um, like I said, I was microdosing before the African trip, and uh, it was like a coffee in the morning. The kind of like perk wake me up. Like I walk mm -hmm. around with like a half a teaspoon in my front lip, and um, it it wouldn't cause any. A, side effects like having visions or purging now. So yeah. small amounts, it's all right. Yeah, so in that small was in amounts. preparation for the long for the longer journeys or the mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And to get used to the taste cuz like we're saying it's just very uh, harsh. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Something different for sure. Yeah. Okay. So now uh, so Michael, but uh, maybe you could tell us a story how you found out about the boga or initially, and what was well, it, it was about really, it that attracted to you? Well, for me, it was really quite serendipitous. Um, I had been studying about plant medicines and plant spirit medicines and learning more about it. And um, I had a little shop in Kensington Market, a uh, little seed store selling um, organic uh, sprouting seeds and sprouting kits. What was your store called? Uh, seed Culture. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, it was uh, wasn't open for very long. And while I had the shop open, I also had a bulletin board. And I was doing another ceremony elsewhere um, called the Muniki, which is a, a ceremony that was uh, conducted by Alberto Velodo or um, a, a group of rites from the Peruvian shamans from the mountains. And I was doing that ceremony and a woman had shown up who'd been to this um, lecture pri previously and then did a ceremony with, with uh, Muganda. And she'd come to the to the event and said that uh, she'd been to a ceremony where they cure addictions with a particular medicine. My eyebrow kind of raised a little bit. Having grown up in 12-step uh, recovery groups, my father was an alcoholic, you know, the, um, and addiction ran in my family. Um, and I had also had bouts of addictions when I was younger and went through 12-step recovery groups. And the whole idea of addiction being cured uh, kind of made my eyebrow raise. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. I went back to my shop and I looked on the bulletin board and there was this flyer that somebody had put the week before, so I'd missed his seminar. Uh. And I was walking on the way to the store the next day and looked over and there's Maganda sitting with this person and they're sitting in the in Kensington Market and we just chatted and we got along. And He came to the ceremony that I performed and afterwards he had asked me to come down and work with him in Costa Rica. Uh. And so uh, I kind of shrugged it off and a few months later I did a ceremony here in, in Toronto. Uh, with him, um, and it was quite the experience. It was really quite amazing and eye-opening and different than uh, any other plant medicine that I've experienced before. And uh, I just knew from that point on that I should be working with this medicine, specifically for its uses in addictions and for um, things like depression and anxiety and just getting the truth about yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, sometimes the truth is painful and uh, as we were, Robin and I were discussing about the idea of the matrix, mm -hmm. you know, of the, the red pill and the blue pill, right? Uh, and Actually, at the Abogo Wellness Center, they have red capsules, where the red capsule um, uh, is about embracing the sometimes painful reality um, and stepping out of the matrix. And the blue pill is about um, keeping uh, the blissful ignorance of the illusion. Um, yeah. Of life, but anyway, at the Aboga Wellness Center, they do have red capsules, and it's and they everyone's give you that choice. Yeah, it's yeah you choice. can choose to, you know, see the truth for yourself and and, and so. live a, a new life, or and live the reality and the truth that you have, that naked truth, mm -hmm. or or living in the in the illusion. 
Right. The truth will set us free. First, it might piss us off. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> exactly. it. That's it. But the thing is, we can see the truth, um, but we always have that choice to go back. A boga's not gonna. There, it's in your mouth right now. <laughs> <laughs> the root bark. This root bark. It, can sh it gives the person the opportunity, one who decides to help themselves out, um, the opportunity to see the truth of what, how they've been lying to themselves, like how they can make their lives better. But my personal experience going out there, um, seeing that I've been you know, doing a lot of drugs, lying to myself, having all these terrible relationships, um, I, for a while I was clean and I was good, but I chose to go back because I was in that same environment. And that's something I really want to get across to people because you can choose to help yourself once, a boga will help you. You can choose to continually um, hurt yourself and at the end of the day, it's gonna be on you, it's the onus is on you to continually uh, make choices every day to live a good life. You know, and that goes for Africans, that goes for Canadians, that goes for any person on this entire planet because until you decide to help yourself, nothing's gonna work, yep. you know, and that's the main, main thing about the naked truth about um, aboga is that it'll help you when you want to help yourself. You know? mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's, it's freeing and it gives you the opportunity to be free of, of the traumas or the thoughts or the patterns that have actually created um, the disease or the disharmony that you have in your life. If you're in addictions or if you have um, or you're on things like SSRIs um, or other pharmaceuticals and you're living your life in a particular way and it's not where you want it to be. Um, Aboga is one of those safe ways to actually step into um, knowing yourself and the, that naked truth about yourself. Mm -hmm. So you can then make a choice to either continue in the path that you are on, which is in your despair or in, in um, not moving forward in your life, or you can make that choice to move forward and follow the truth that you actually see. And it's really up to you, you have that free choice to do that. Um, like for myself, for instance, one of the things that happened to me is I felt free of all of the attachments that I had to the dramas in my life, whether they were in the past or the current ones that were happening, and I was totally free. The beauty of a boga is that I was also free to attach to new dramas if I chose to, which I did. Mm. I did, and that was for at least another year to two years. I attached a lot of new dramas that were occurring. But the key was is that I was able to see it and witness it faster. as it was coming up faster mm -hmm. and then release the, that drama and just say, oh, my God, why am I doing that again? Oh, mm. I and remember now. And not cast any blame outside yourself, yeah. right? And yeah. say, you know what? Own or it. even to myself, right. or even blaming myself for being there. It was like, oh yeah, that's a pattern that I've had. Okay, I see it now. Now that I see it, I shed the light of my consciousness on it. Mm -hmm. It has no effect anymore, right? Except for the effect that I choose to put on it. Right. So, I mean, you mentioned when you did iboga for the first time that it was unlike any other plant medicine that you had done. Mm -hmm. Had you done uh, ayahuasca yep, before that? Or mm -hmm. peyote yeah. or um, any of the others? Actually, I had been, introduced to, I had been introduced to peyote before that. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, no, I wasn't introduced to ayahuasca until after. Um, the first time I was introduced to peyote, I had a wonderful experience with it. It actually helped heal me on a physical level. I was really, really quite sick. And um, it's full of antioxidants. It's an antibacterial. And there's so many wonderful healing qualities of it. And I wasn't actually in ceremony. I had someone staying at my house who was uh, called the Piotr Roadman uh, from down south. And he was just staying over. And 
I was coughing up a lung. I thought I had the R2-D2 virus or whatever they call the N1H1 mm-hmm. or whatever. I didn't had no idea. And he came out of the room. He goes, you look really sick. He goes, you look like you could use some medicine. I'm like, yeah, what do you have? He goes, peyote. He gives me this big smile and went, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about What's that. What's that? Really? You, you actually went like that? Yeah, I actually went, I don't know. Like, I've never done that. I've, I've, you know, and he just smiles at me. He looks at me. He goes, it's a medicine. It's full of antioxidants. It'll heal you. And I went, I'll think about it. And a few hours later, you know, he walks by me in the living room, and I'm still coughing up. I looked at him, and I went, I think I'll take you up on that. And he smiles. He says, okay. And uh, he gave me a little, did a little tiny ceremony for me and told me to ask to put my intention to heal into it, and I ate it. And about an hour later, I went to bed and woke up the next day. I had wonderful dreams and wonderful kind of auditory thoughts and, you know, and things that came to me. And woke up the next day probably about 90% better. Mm-hmm. And it was about two weeks after that that uh, that I had actually Maguna had come back to Canada, and I did a ceremony with him. So, uh, had you done ayahuasca? Actually, prior no. To I that? actually did ayahuasca a month after I did oh. uh, boga. I I know a number of medicine people, and they I, they invited me to come to one of their ceremonies, and I figured, why not? I'll go and check this out. Yeah, because people say, you know, that. Iboga is the African ayahuasca and vice versa. Yeah, uh, the, in a lot of ways. The grandfather medicine and yeah. ayahuasca is the, the mother, the, the grandmother medicine. Actually, it's funny. So they, they refer ayahuasca to being the vine of the soul, removing everything that's not of the soul, and it's the gentler. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's it, is, it is a lot gentler in comparison. Gentler um, it is like a grandmother. Ayahuasca is referred to as the grandmother. Um, peyote is actually referred to as the grandfather. And uh, it's funny, they refer to Iboga as the godfather. The godfather. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think of it, it's like, you know, at first I thought of, you know, Marlon Brando sitting there, right, the godfather of all the plants. But really uh, thinking of the godfather, like that person who will, you know, give you that kick in the butt, mm-hmm. but hold you gently mm-hmm. and say, I love you. Yeah. Right? Here's the truth. I'm going to give you that basic truth. Not like now it's up to you. It's up to you. <laughs> but I'm still going to love you no matter what. Absolutely. You know? So one of the things that fascinated me about when I first heard about Iboga before I had any experience with it was that people would say, you know, describing their experience, that they would encounter African elders in their, um, in their um, vision? experience vision, or their yeah. vision. Yeah. And I thought that's kind of interesting because, you know, it's classified as in, in the West here as a hallucinogen, right? Mm-hmm. So why would, like, you could you, you think if somebody comes from that culture, that African culture, maybe it would be something that you be naturally to encounter African mm-hmm. elders. But I mean, I encountered African elders in my experience, mm-hmm. and uh, so um, which says to me that really it is. Uh, something a little bit different, a little bit beyond what we, our classification of it as a hallucinogen. It's something else bigger than, much than more, much more. how we categorize it. Much more. Um, Robin, what stands for um, There is another term for the state that we're put in with the aboga. It's uh, dreaming awake. Um, I, forgive me, I do forget what it's called right now. Um, but um, in regards of... Con- connecting with African elders and stuff. When I was in Africa, I um, connected through the fire with my spiritual mother. And it was a beautiful African woman who was uh, completely naked, um, just dancing in the fire. And for me, yeah, like I grew up in Canada, 
haven't been um, particularly religious or spiritual in any sort of a sense, but um, I've uh, believed enough in myself to go on these adventures. So for her to show up, um, it was fantastic, and it was just, uh, it's something else, yeah. Africa is our mother. Africa mm -hmm. is our mother, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I believe that's true. That. Yeah, um, as far as our, all, all our heritage in, mm -hmm. in some way. So being in, even being North American, I can feel Africa in my blood. Uh, you yeah. know, I've experienced <laughs> enough. <laughs> when, uh, when, when, the, when the drums play, I'm like, I can do the... <laughs> oh, yeah, the drumming and the dancing. Yeah, that was one of the most amazing parts of the, of the ceremony, too, was the, the music, the dancing, right. the drumming. The dancing was intense. Children, five years old, two boys, uh, amazing, uh, Danny and Glenn. Uh, these two little, uh, I just love these kids. Uh, they're my little booty nephews now. And they're, uh, they've been like powerful and they're in ceremony. They're eating medicine. Right? More than we would be. They, these little boys were eating more medicine than I was. <laughs> and they were, they were perfectly fine. They weren't purging. And that's <laughs> it was the amazing thing. to Even see. Some yeah. of the other booty men are like, a few would purge and that, but majority of the, of the they call them nungas or, or shamans, they're eating tons of medicine too and they're not purging or anything like that but you know it, it gets you it gets you going and you can get quite high from it right you can't walk in certain times and certain points you can't feel your hands or you move around you're in vertigo and it was really quite funny in one of the ceremonies uh we're in uh, in africa the shaman weighs me over and he's like okay come here and he does his pouch of tobacco and i'm looking at him and he goes can you can you roll a a, a cigarette for me uh, some tobacco for me? I went, yeah. He goes, I can't see. I'm so high. <laughs> and I was just, he was laughing about that. And he was just, everybody was laughing about the whole thing. And the point is, is you don't get stoned in the traditional sense of getting high. You get, you get that real feeling. And he was so caught in spirit, in the spirit world. Right? He was like in between. He was just like, I can't even see. Can you roll this tobacco for me? And it was, that was really funny for me to, to have him, he goes, I thought it was like something serious. He called me over and he goes, I just can't see it. And we were all laughing. <laughs> and um, as far as using uh, a boga um, for, for journeying and, and stepping into other things, people use it for many, many different reasons. Um, but one of the key reasons here in the West, as you said, is, is for addictions. Mm -hmm. And we're finding it's even more so works really well with post-traumatic stress, depression, and anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, for me, when I went into my first vision, I actually traveled to Africa. I, in my visions, I saw a village, and I knew that it was the shaman's village. And I was like, wow, this is your village. Mm -hmm. And I actually saw myself there. He said, okay, go look for yourself. And I looked, and I'm like, how do I, and he says, just look. And this guy comes out around the bend, you know, he stands there in the middle of my vision. He's looking at me, and it's me, but with a much grayer beard, you know, like it is now, <laughs> right? Back then, it wasn't so gray. Longer hair, and there I am dancing, and he's basically motioned me to come over to him, and the shaman said, just go to him. And I went there, and I stood in the village, and I walked around, and I was dancing with myself in the village, and, which reminded me of an 80s song from the Billy Idol. I just started howling, and everybody else in the room started laughing because I yelled that out, and... And, um, and then he'd actually asked me to go to his clinic in Costa Rica, which he has a clinic in Costa Rica called the Iboga House, which is specifically for addictions and mental illnesses, or diseases, as we call them, and, uh, or challenges. And so I went there. He said, just go there. And I'm like, how? And once again, I just showed up there. 
and I'm looking at the door of the house, I'm looking at everything there, the, even the carvings, the intricate carvings on the door. There was a cow salt lick and watering hole just off to the left and, you know, cactuses. Mm -hmm. I flew down there three months later and I got out of the car and my mouth hit the ground and I looked, I'm like, this is everything I saw in my vision. This is exactly it. And he just kind of laughed at me and goes, what, you don't think you were here? Oh, you mm. Westerners, you'll, you'll figure it out soon enough. I got lots to show you. Mm. Right? And it was just so amazing. Now, I'm curious because, um, as you know, I had a center in, in British Columbia, Inner Sanctuary, and we did journeys with ayahuasca, and probably the first one, the second journey maybe that was actually on the Sunshine Coast. And the Iboga people approached me to use the house as an Iboga house, and at the time, I think maybe 2005, that it wasn't quite legal, and it wasn't it wasn't approved yet in Canadian by Canadian healthcare and whatnot. So, can you touch on that now, where we are at in the legalities of yeah. boga um, in Canada and North America, and how it's being um, approached um, in in relation to maybe the pharmaceutical industry? Okay. Um, well, from what I know. Um, which isn't a lot regarding the legal side of it. However, I do know that Iboga is legal in Canada. There is no scheduling of it here in Canada. Um, there are a number of clinics that have opened uh, throughout Canada, a couple of them, um, that use specifically Ibogaine, which is a, a single alkaloid extract, uh, which actually helps to, to release people of addictions. That's really, really key. And that we don't actually use... Uh, ibogaine ourselves with our with our tradition we use the wood itself and then these alkaloids because it keeps it a lot more pure more natural um, not that ibogaine isn't helpful but we just prefer not to use it it's also the setting that people are treated in ibogaine in a clinical setting in uh, uh, you know like a doctor's office kind of where they're kind of secluded on their own after giving the medicine um, and with the Buiti tradition uh, you're supported by an entire tribe or know, initiates of the tribe, working with the full root. Um, so it's always yeah. more powerful in, mm -hmm. um, yeah. uh, in its native land. Absolutely. Well, yeah, what's, absolutely I mean, it's, yeah, because when I, when I did it uh, with Mugenda, he, he stressed how important it was to do it in its traditional context. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm just... Well, not just a home recreational kind of evening or something. Right. Yeah. That would not be fun. But even the clinical, uh, in this clinical that you're describing where it's in like in a doctor's mm -hmm. like a hospital type setting like is and you're saying it is effective but I'm just mm -hmm. curious because you know because Mugenda did stress how important it was to do it in the traditional yeah context. it is it is very very important um, like all sacred medicines it is a very sacred medicine like peyote like uh, ayahuasca um, San Pedro and other other forms of medicine Yopov um, all of these medicines are very sacred and they should be respected in their traditional way like a sweat lodge even. A sweat lodge is a sacred traditional healing. If it's not honored properly and if you aren't guided properly in how to operate a sweat, mm -hmm. people can be hurt. People can die. Right? Um, on a clinical way, as far as the ibogaine, we know scientifically what it does and basically wipes away receptor sites, totally wipes them free and resets the, the mind or the brain back to zero and recalibrates it as if it's never used the substance that you were addicted to. Um, specifically, if you were an opiate addict, it would wipe away the opiate receptor sites. So that would be whether you did it in a traditional ceremony or in a clinical environment, right? Either way. Right? Mm -hmm. Either the, way. The, yeah. so the difference would be 
um, where, what environment you're in after, after your receptors have been wiped. Mm -hmm. Are you going to be sitting around campfire talking with wise men and wise women regarding um, spiritual uh, paths and, and you know healthy steps forward, or are you going to step out of the clinic and go back to the same uh, friends and, and environment where you're doing drugs and watching mm -hmm. TV, which could influence you to who knows what? Which you know, is an addiction as well. Exactly. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Anything to numb ourselves away from the pain that you know, now has been wiped away with the aboga, but mm -hmm. we're going to just like shove it right back in. Yeah. That's the, that's well, the difference. Well, you think that these rehab clinics would know something about that. Shucks, yeah. you'd think well, so. Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Why is it they don't? Okay, well, so. See, and because they, they still consider, in a lot of ways, some people will consider that the, the visions aren't as important. And that's one of the key things about aboga is that the visionary experience, which doesn't happen for everyone to begin with, you need to, of course, detox and cleanse the body. Not just the physical body, but your emotions mm -hmm. and, and the stuff in your mind that is blocking you. That's what the f initial flooding does. It releases those things. And if you're lucky enough, in that first instance, you'll start to receive those visions. Uh, what we do is, um, if, we, if somebody comes to one of our clinics, you receive the detox and then you go through another journey, which is called the psychospiritual or spiritual journey. So you do two. Yep. The oh, first yeah. one's a detox, yep. mostly a purge, mm -hmm. and then the second one is really more about the visions. Yeah, well, yes. it's about connecting to that, that visionary experience that you have that brings you to those points in your life that are what's holding you back, those mm -hmm. things that you've either been told or that you've attached to that you don't even know about. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people don't even realize it. Yeah. But I'll until tell you, they know. Until, until they see <laughs> it, then they go, oh, yeah, I know I've been hiding that for a long time. Now know? I or see I it. Or I don't want to really see it for what it is. Yeah. Like for myself, um, I had an incident uh, in, the, in my visions, I actually went to visit my parents. Now both my parents had passed away. And I didn't see either of them prior to their death, just prior to their death. Um, and there were things that I didn't clear with them. Things that they had done when I was younger that traumatized me and that I felt were, you know, I needed to address. And so when I saw them in the, in the spiritual plane and I met with them, which is what Aboga does, helps you to bring to those, those particular souls, um, or at least it was for me and it, for a number of other people that I've met, um, I had just the thought of the question I was going to ask my mother and father. And my mother looked at me, she looked at my dad and looked back at me and went, I thought you'd just be happy to see us. Mm. And as soon as she said that, my attachment to that drama, mm -hmm. I just went, what the hell am I thinking? I missed you. I haven't seen you. And just let it go. Because <laughs> I was no longer attached to the past. Mm -hmm. I was present with her right now, which was one of the things I actually never really was, really present all the time. So I was able to be present in that, and I felt totally released from that drama. And so after I went through my ceremony, people asked me, well, are you free? Like, or sorry, asked you, what, what did you get from this? And I said, I'm free. Free of the drama and free of my attachments to them. Hmm. Right? And that's part of even with addictions. You're, right. you're attached to something and you need to free yourself from that. And a lot of people don't have that ability. You know, I, I know for a fact in a lot of clinics, the, the rates are very low. Even in 12-step recovery now, rates are very low for long-term abstinence. Yeah. Right? And, have, and it's one of the things about uh, the 12-step recovery program is that the first step is admitting that you're powerless over whatever it is that you're powerless over. And then the twelfth one is having had a spiritual awakening as a result of all of those steps, right? You have that spiritual awakening, and then you try to, you know, carry that message to others. 
right? And then you try to practice those principles in all of your life, in all of the affairs that you have. A lot of people don't have the ability to make it to that point because they're still caught up either in their addictions, in and out all the time, or they're caught up in their mental uh, issues that actually brought them to their addictions in the first place. Core belief systems. So to me, it's basically one to step 12, right to that final one, having that awakening. And then you step back here and go, wow, how can I actually have done that to myself and the people in in One other interesting thing about uh, the difference between a clinical setting with ibogaine and uh, a traditional bhuti ceremony, say in Africa, um, is in the temple, everyone's equal. And if there was something that... Uh, needed to be tended to, like the fire, or, or like, I mean, everyone's equal, like, there's no roles, like, you're, there's not a fire tender, and there's not a person who's going to be cleaning up the vomit, and all that stuff, so the main thing Muganda told us before was, women watch the women, men watch the men, you learn from the respected people that you're witnessing, and like Michael just said, being present uh, to himself, um, we, to be present in a ceremony while you're taking in the, uh, the wood and, and journeying on your own, um, I learned so much about how it's everyone's personal choice and decision in any moment to do things that they see needed to be done. So when a fire needed to be tended to, somebody, even though they were kind of like wonky and couldn't really walk, they would kind of like lean forward and tend to it. Or, you know, a, a candle would go out. Someone would get up and light it. And that's the thing. I think that's the difference between doing it in a in a safe setting in the temple or in Costa Rica in one of the retreat centers versus being in a clinical room by yourself, having all these visions, not knowing what to do, and then not having not any kind of... guided through those visions. No guidance. That's it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the yeah. key things. These people are experienced enough, yeah. mm-hmm. the shamans and the, and the providers, and that's why we're training, is to be able to be experienced enough to be able to guide you through and see what you're seeing in your visions, to actually yeah. connect to those points in the visions to be able to say, okay, okay, go here. Okay, that sounds great. Okay, why don't we go over here now? Mm-hmm. As opposed to just being all over the place and not being actually held back and brought back to, to this reality. Right? Into the natural world, or this, this rea- real world that we call reality. So just kind of going from that, that idea of how it worked in the temple where, with this e- equality of, of everybody, I'm just curious because uh, you guys have actually been to Africa and been in, in those communities. Uh, were you able to or are you able to draw any conclusions about the differences, if, if there are any, between a society that uses Iboga as part of its everyday existence versus us here in the West where we don't have that medicine? Yeah. Number one, no stress, <laughs> no drama. Imagine that. One of the, one, no one stress. Thing, one thing that came up, like, <laughs> we still did. have the stresses of our lives, but we don't let it really affect us as much, the Bwiti. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I refer to us because I'm Bwiti now, right? And I'm part of that village. And everybody That's, can be. And anybody can be. Once you go to the village, you go through the ceremony, you are now Bwiti. You can go back to that village at any time. Um, one of the key things... I remember there was, uh, the, the shaman that, that we dealt with, Muganda Michaela, was actually the spiritual leader of this entire village. And so people would be coming, you know, left for years ago or whatever, and they'd be living in the main cities in Libreville. And there was one uh, group of people that showed up just arbitrarily, no phone calls, they just showed up, right, and showed up to the village, and they had a dispute. And 
So he brought them into the temple, and they're sitting on either side of the temple, and, you know, we're not actually part of it. And I walk down past the temple to go into the jungle, and I'm hearing screaming from one side to the other. Guys are yelling at each other and screaming. And then we're going to make a comment, and everybody started laughing. And they were doing this for a good couple of hours. By the end of it, they cleared whatever it is that they had come to deal with. And if they couldn't clear it, he basically makes a comment and says, this is the way it is. And they listen to him. Because mm. they know he's the spiritual leader of that tribe, or of that village. And so the, the fact that they're so joyous and free with nothing, and that's one of the key things I realized being there, being part indigenous here, being Métis, watching the, 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 the colonization of our lands and the colonization of Gabon, there's so much poverty there. Yeah, physical people, poverty. Physical poverty, but not poverty of joy. No. I've never seen people more happy yeah. and joyous and free, really. Um, I'm just wondering because do, does that Iboga culture extend to the country as a whole? Like, is it a, a nation that is yeah. under Iboga? Well, not everybody is Bwiti. Not everybody's Bwiti. Mm. There are Christians, there are Muslims. Actually, the driver that we had that was driving us around, he was Amazing Muslim. Guy. And yeah. really fun. <laughs> and he knows all about Bwiti, but yeah. he wasn't Bwiti. He was from Cameroon. Um, the, the thing is, is, it's actually considered the national treasure of Gabon um, now. It is a protected plant. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful plant. And Eighth it's wonder of the world. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> and, exactly. And a boga and witi, it, it's just it's an opportunity for somebody to find their own truth, whether whatever religious beliefs that they have, <coughs> right? So one can continue um, practicing their religious beliefs and decide to go and, and just you know embark on a adventure something outside of their realm of experience mm -hmm. right so witty ac accepts everyone it's not a it's not a religion it's not a culture it's just a way to help yourself mm -hmm. in any sort of way you know right so introspective soul searching right right, right. where you actually have a one-on-one -on -one conversation or connection to your soul that's that's whether you believe in a soul or not, it's a connect. Whether it could be, a, you can consider it a soul or whatever you want to call it, but that or that higher consciousness or that higher self of your uh, that you have, you have that one-on-one -on -one conversation mm -hmm. with. And really, everybody wants that connection to their because mm -hmm. that, that's their truth, that's their their true nature, and everything else we kind of make it up as we go along. It's the as we as you said the illusion. So in this illusion that we're experiencing let's say in, in the North American culture um, how do you how do you see um, the way we're using medicine um, to suppress as opposed to awaken well and just to I'd like to go back kind of to the quite and blend both of those questions that you asked about um, Western say the Canadian society and, and African society and then with pharmaceuticals is that professionally I work at a hair salon and I think it's fantastic I love it I get to work with people and I have people from the suburban area I live in um, come to me all the time most people are suffering from depression or um, even psoriasis of the skin and scalp and it's based on either stress or not being able to um, deal with life's problems in a healthy way, so they're going to pharmaceuticals. Um, one thing that happened when I came back from Africa was learning that, or hearing a child screaming in a store I was in. 
And to be perfectly honest, it didn't compete with me at all. I didn't know what was going on. It was just this weird, like, buzzing sound, like a siren going by. And because for two weeks when I was in Africa, no child was crying. There was, there was like we said, mm -hmm. no stress, no um, mm -hmm. numbing down the body with pharmaceuticals or anything like that, just using pure natural herbs and um, spirituality, really, to, to be well. Um, I didn't. I didn't know what the difference. Sorry, I didn't know what was going on. So, um, I feel like being firsthand, like first in line with people coming into the salon with me. Um, it's pharmaceuticals. They're a way. It's an easy way out, you know. And a bog is not easy. Yeah. A bog is not <laughs> easy, but it's not something that you need to be continually um, dosing yourself with if you choose not to, mm -hmm. you know. But when it's, when it's part of a culture, like over here, I, I think a lot of the culture that I see people kind of um, putting themselves in is like TV and, and um, um, sports or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not something that um, really keeps us together as a spiritual whole, you know. It joins people. It joins for, people. For, 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 but for it kind a, of for, makes us compete. But it actually creates competition. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like the Super Bowl we just had. And, right. And mm -hmm. the Olympics that are, oh, I think it's today that is the opening ceremony. But really, that's creating separation because it creates the competition as opposed to the awakening. Exactly. So, mm. yeah. That's our Western culture. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Silent moment. Ooh, shall we fill it up? Yeah, fill it so up. There's another addiction we have to. <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to talk about was um, because in it, when I when I had the experience, and you mentioned it previously, I don't know if it was while we're on the air here, but that um, it's a. I had the sense that, and the music, and we're going to hear some music mm -hmm. uh, probably as we finish the show. Very we'll important part with of that. Um, but the music and just the, the overall feeling was that it was so ancient that, that this you were I was experiencing something that was so ancient that it it kind of it boggled the mind and and you mentioned that that somebody mentioned to you that this <coughs> is a uh, you, you actually go back to the beginning of creation mm. exactly and exactly. can you just talk about that a little bit what that means um, well the first uh, first time I did a boga I was starting to purge and I started to listen to the music and I was getting a little bit of visions then I purged and usually when that happens the visions don't come as as frequently or as strong when you're purging when I mean, you've purged yeah. right um, after you've purged you don't have as much in your system and I listened to the music and I was getting a wave and I felt like I was riding the wave of the music mm -hmm. and that's what brought me to my visions was the music it helped to calm me and help me pay attention to the moment and just to let it flow. Mm -hmm. Let the screen that pretty much opened up for me, it was a screen, I had my eyes covered and I saw a screen and I saw things and I, it was you know jumbled and then all of a sudden I was there at the village. Mm -hmm. And so when that happened, I said to Magunda, I said, oh, I'm, I'm, the music brought me to, your vi to the village, brought me to the visions. And he was like, great man, now you're there, you're deep. And that's the thing, it, it brings you, the music calms, it brings you to that point. And there is a series of songs mm -hmm. that are sung during the ceremonies, especially through the initiation. 
Uh, and there is a, it may not seem like any order or anything like that, but there is an order to the ceremony. There is a way that the different medicine people that are there will, will gather around and bring in the different spirits or the different tools that they have to work with. Um, that's one of the things I was told too, and, uh, and I've, I've witnessed in, in Africa, was that a number of the different medicine people or the, the shamans that were there, there were over a dozen of them from different areas, women and men, um, they all had specialties that they worked with. And it's not just a boga, right? They work with other medicines in the jungle. Right. There are a lot of other tools and medicines out there that, that work in the jungle. Mm -hmm. There are even other medicines that are even more visionary with none of the side effects right, that a boga has. Oh, what are those? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't found those yet. I think in my next trip into the jungle when I go for the actual uh, rite of passage, perhaps, maybe down the road. Um, but those are all, there are all lots of different medicines that come from the jungle that help heal us in other ways. And one of the things they say about aboga is it's just, it's a medicine. Just like peyote, just like ayahuasca, all of these medicines are there to help you in a particular way. So and all these medicines, there's many of them, does that imply that we have a sick, a sick society that needs medicating? <laughs> you know, well, that we, the, the, as an awakening consciousness, that the medicine is, is helping us heal does that imply that there's something wrong, innately wrong with humanity? Um, I don't know if innately wrong with humanity, or the individual but perhaps or innately wrong with society and the way it's structured. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I noticed when I was in Africa, and even when I was in Costa Rica, where I was, I didn't feel stressed. I wasn't caught up in, in lots of stuff outside of what was going on right then and there. I was present. When I flew back from Africa, even just the moment I got into the, um, the Paris, Paris airport, oh, Paris. <laughs> I could feel the vibes of stress and people being, you know, and I could just feel it a lot easier, right? Because I'd just come out of the jungle and I was, you know, connected with nature, my own nature as well. And that's one of the key things about Bhutti tradition is they say that there is no difference between us and nature. We are nature. And nature has been provided, the world has provided for us th this. They do have a belief in a one God mm. and that God created man in his image, which is I find very interesting, is un-influenced un, un, uh, by Christian belief systems, and that God created the planet and everything on it for us, mm -hmm. and then we have total abundance all the time. And our lives will be great if we use nature, but the moment we start to abuse nature, is when we suffer. Because Whether we're that abusing be ourselves. abusing the physical mm. world, abusing ourselves, or abusing others, is when we suffer. And whether we suffer because of our own thoughts about those things that we've done, or the reactions that we have from people, or the world around us, because the physical world will affect us. You know, if we get a toxic uh, jolt of, of, of let's say, um, mercury poisoning or anything like that, we obviously are going to be physically. Uh, affected by that, there are natural medicines that can help to detox that from the body. Including iboga. Especially. That purging. Yeah, yeah. Right? and that's yeah. one of the key things with iboga. It will cleanse the body. And um, I find it very interesting that it will only take about 48 hours to detox someone from heroin. Mm -hmm. However, methadone, over two weeks. Suboxone, over a month. 
to actually fully detox somebody from that. And those are pharmaceutical. And those are pharmaceutical replacements for heroin. Right. The lesson there, of course, is make sure you get the real stuff. Yeah. It's easier to detox <laughs> from. Well, it's easier first to detox first, it from before that. you go to the doctor for the pharmaceuticals. Yeah. There's a level of ignorance. People will, they don't know. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's being provided for you on a daily basis. Right. And you trust people like the doctors and, and all respect to doctors in the medical field, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of things that um, cause, put people in bondage. And the thing is... What kind, sorry, what kind of bondage? In bond, in uh, leather bondage. <laughs> oh no, sorry, I mean uh, uh, medical, sorry. Oh, the bondage uh, of addiction. <laughs> medical bondage, and it, it keeps us on that path for, you know, could be our entire lifetime, right? And we'll talk after. And um, the thing is we can always choose to, to hurt ourselves. But the beautiful thing about the planet and, and God's gift to us is that there's, there's a cure. There's something natural. And the thing about what I've heard is that the countries where aboga and ibogaine is illegal is, are the oh. countries where pharmaceutical companies are developing their own applications of the extract of ibogaine and mm -hmm. taking the spirit of the plant completely away, especially the, the cultural practices. Mm -hmm. So that's something to be aware of. And yeah. There are yeah. only five countries, I believe, in the world where aboga is actually illegal. Uh, the United States, um, France, I believe Switzerland, and, and two other countries. And most of those countries actually do have pharmaceutical companies with patents pending on an application. Yeah. Now, I have no further information on that. I researched that years ago on a website called the Ibogaine Dossier, which had a plethora of information on it. Um, I don't even know if the site's still up. Um, however, the, the, those, those applications, they, they even have on that website, I remember looking at a, um, a coroner's report on somebody who had died in a clinic from having uh, used ibogaine. And that's another thing. If someone has a heart condition or a respiratory condition, we need to look at that before they receive something like Ebola or ibogaine because we need to heal that first. We need to deal with those issues first. Well, this is one of the things I, I would like to make sure we touch on before we go because we've talked about how iboga can work with addictions and how it can work with uh, mental issues like depression mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, but it can also, because we talk about stress, right? Mm -hmm. The stress of Western living. But a lot of diseases, including cancer, really is cancer is the final physical outcome of essentially a stress, really, yep. or anxiety. Yeah. Well, stress Repressed anger. Well, if you look at it like a fungal issue, right? And that's essentially cancer is a fungal issue, essentially. Um, there are different ways to deal with that. Um, on a spiritual level, and that's one of the reasons uh, with the boga and the bwiti and, and spiritual traditions like that, to release yourself of the spiritual issues is what they deal with first. Right. You take the medicine, it'll help with the physical body, but they want to work with the spiritual side of what's going on. Mm -hmm. right? So they, that's what their, their belief system is based in. And then once you clear that, everything else falls into place. Right? Um, there are physical uh, conditions that can be cured, uh, things like um, candida, herpes, um, which literally it's being hailed as a cure for. But for herpes? Herpes. Wow. Yeah. Um, People who have issues with uh, being able to conceive, um, 
But what, what about stuff like cancer or even leukemia, the, stuff like that? Any experience with that? I personally not pers haven't. Not personally, no. Um, the homeopathic view uh, is that our biography uh, creates our biology. So our history, our past thinking, um, everything that we believe about ourselves, uh, the spiritual, the etheric, the etheric body around us, the energy body, that's where disease initially forms. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, when we're not facing it, when we're not dealing with our issues, that's when it eventually comes into the last form of cancer, you know, or whatever it could be, leukemia, any AIDS, mm -hmm. whatever it is. And it's because it's we're not facing something within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to like, say like, go mind over matter right here. Our thoughts create our reality and that's, it's just such a solid thing every day. And mm -hmm. that's what Aboga has really taught me in my life is that every moment of this very real life, life's so exciting, it's very real. It's my choice to think healthy thoughts. Like on the elliptical today, I was on it for half an hour and I make a decision. Instead of watching the little TV in front of me, I'm thinking health, wealth, abundance, beauty, love, joy. <laughs> and I'm just thinking that because mm -hmm. my thoughts do create my reality. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get to, um, if we really need to use a boga or other plant medicines or even pharmaceuticals to heal something, that's great. That can give us a bit more time to change our thoughts because life is just how we think every day. And that's a quote that Muganda shared with me when I first met him five years ago. And it really stuck with me, like, life is just how we think every day. And I've heard that through various other mediums and... Mm. And it's right? been scientifically proven, It's too. been scientifically yeah. proven, and there we go. That's good. Yeah, that's the great part about it. Yes. Right, what, I, what I found very interesting about um, the, the teachings we received when we were in the temple in Africa were so incredibly similar to Zen Buddhist teachings that I've had and Tao teachings that I've received in the past about the only thing that really exists right now is the present moment. Just to be. Past is history. Life is a gift. Future is a mystery. Mm -hmm. We have right now, which is a gift. Yeah, yeah. And so be present. So be present. It's just a matter of being present in the moment. Yeah. Um, for sure, things come up that will bring and jog back a memory. And that's one of the key things about post-traumatic stress and depression is that people mm. get caught into a, a thought pattern or a process, and especially with post-traumatic stress, and a, an incident may have occurred, and you get brought back to that incident, and you run with that, and you're constantly thinking, and then you can't even function. And people were unable to get out of bed for days, right? And so they try other means, you know, um, either medication to, to help suppress those, and they're still caught in that. I, I know people who have been on medications or seeking counseling for years for an issue that they've dealt with or that they're, that they're dealing with. And they're still in the same position, in the same thought pattern, in the same processes. One of the things that Evoca does is it breaks that wide open. Mm -hmm. or it just totally smashes it apart and it makes you go, oh yeah, that happened way back, I don't even know when, and I'm here. How does that affect me now? How does anything that happened to me before affect my moment? And once you see that, and you not even see it, once you feel it, really feel it, it has no bearing over you anymore. And that's, I think, one of the beauties about the traditional means as opposed to the clinical means is because they actually guide you through the incidences or the issues that actually show you that naked truth of what's stopping you from living a life of love and abundance. It shows you that naked truth, you look at it, and then you have that choice to either deal with it 
or hide from it and run and live in the same way you did before. And another, oh. oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, another thing um, we're really excited about to incorporate into our program in uh, the Costa Rica and African retreats is we have a team member who's been in addictions therapy and counseling for over 20 years, mm. and he's helped create a program that is going to, he's going to teach all the providers um, to help people with coping uh, techniques and strategies when they're mm -hmm. back in their environments. And that's the best thing, because personally, in my experience, um, I've gone back and, and delved into drugs and into self-doubt and hatred and, and just, like, hurting myself so much with my thoughts that it, 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 excites, me, it excites me so much to be able to offer people um, ways that they can help themselves continually after a boga. Yeah. Like An aftercare said, program that we exactly. have uh, uh, someone who's working with us to create individualized aftercare programs. That's it whether it's for anxiety, depression, or addictions. Um, and specifically people who have, uh, even with cocaine addiction, it's, it's massive for people when they get triggered. What do you do if you have a trigger? What if you do if something's happening to you? What do you do if someone places drugs in front of you? How do you react to your life on a daily basis after you've actually woken up? Hmm. Right? Once you've cleaned, cleaned yourself up, once you no longer have a drug in your system, you're, you're now no longer addicted to it. Physically. You still have that choice. But you have mental issues yeah. or thoughts that bring you back to it. What do you do? Especially a drug addict. It's not just about using the drugs in that moment if you're shooting heroin or smoking uh, crack or, or doing crystal meth or drinking. It's all of your life based around that. Mm -hmm. It's the getting and using and finding ways and means to get more, which is one of the statements The lifestyle. That it's the lifestyle. The family system that well, might have created. Now you've just opened up the door for, now you have about 12 hours extra in the day that, what do you do now? Because that's what you were using for drugs the whole time, to get your drugs, to use it, to prepare it, to do whatever else, to hide it, you know. What do you do now? How do you live your life? Bondage. Right? You know, and, and one, <laughs> what, <laughs> what are the bondage? 12 hours, that's a Which lot bondage? of time. Oh, um, so the, the key things that I, found, I find with aboga more than anything else in Bwiti is that it, it, it makes you be present and it makes you be accountable for yourself. Right. You know, it, it kind of uh, suggests to me that um, it's like everybody's walking through life and they're hiding there's something wrong somewhere with most people most of the time. And everyone's different, so people... Um, the outcome is different. Some people might get physically sick. Some people might get depressed. Lose their home in foreclosure. Well, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Like I mean, whatever it is, whatever the life situation is. Oh, have, have dramatic relationships that end horribly. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's more than even just the mental or the physical uh, disease or dis-ease of the person, but it can also be the life situations that mm -hmm. uh, arise from whatever they're not looking at or whatever the problems mm -hmm. are that they're not dealing with. And it's almost like... Iboga helps people at every level. It really just helps them deal with the fundamental issue, and then that hopefully will, will, will translate and, and, and affects everything where they're having problems in a positive way, whether that's physical, mental, mental issues, or life situations. And it Without controlling yeah. the outcome. That's one thing about Iboga yeah, that's right. beautiful about it's it is that attachment. it doesn't control you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make you do anything. It just shows you what you have the possibility of, right. or, of doing. It shows you that possibility of living a joyous and free life. Mm -hmm. 
right? You can look at it and say, wow, this is what I should be doing, and this is, yeah, I see that. And then I'll turn my head on it and go the other way because it's scary. The truth can be scary, right? And I it, think, sorry, I'll say, I just think, it, it, <laughs> keep doing that. It, it definitely gives you the, the belief in yourself that you can go forward and you can face those challenges, whatever they may be. I don't think anything happens to us without good reason and anything, nothing will happen to us that we can't face on our own, you know, or, right. Right, we also have those challenges as catalysts to go closer yeah. towards the truth. It's exciting. Yeah. We're always in the right it's place at the right time. Like, I am right here, and this is great. Yeah. <laughs> Which may not have happened if, if those African spirits hadn't have wrecked our last uh, taping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. they were like, you know what? This would be cool. Yeah, I Robin think we need here Robin too. here, too. Round yeah. Robin. Yeah, yeah, see? Oh, yeah, round robins. Well, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I think one of the keys is it allows you to appreciate your life more, right? Yeah, and, totally. and, and to be grateful, mm. you know? That's one thing I was told, too, when I was in the temple, is that there's only one prayer in the entire Witsi tradition. Mm -hmm. They don't pray for anyone else. That's why they don't pray for people, right? It's not up to me, right? This is, that's your job, pray for yourself. We have only one prayer, that's thank you. Right? Thank you for this life. When we get up in the morning, thank you. That's our prayer. Thanks for this moment, the for living my life. The universe loves gratitude. Yeah. Right? That's all it is. Totally. Yes, because we get more of the same. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes and we have to lose it all to learn that. And the yes. moment you take care of you is the moment that you can then take care of the rest of the world around you because the world will just follow suit. Right? And that's one of the things I see a lot of is people trying to control the outcomes of everything that's happening outside of themselves. Mm -hmm. As opposed to actually controlling themselves, their own mind, right? You know, and that's one of the key things that Muganda has talked about as well and it's in, the, in the tradition is that it's up to you. It's your mind that creates fear or anger or depression. You are the master of your own mind and your own life. So begin to. And that's one of the key things I, I learned in, in, in Tao traditions. You know, uh, I was initiated actually into a Taoist tradition many years ago. And that, that one of the key things they said is that just be yourself, just be, right? There's nothing else you need. You don't need to be anything else, just who you are. Kind of that's like why we're rushing around everywhere. Everybody here is rushing around to mm -hmm. do stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it was an Alan Watts quote I was, I was gonna yeah. quote. I want to see if I can find it again. And it basically talks about, um, how did he put it? Um, actually, Go find it. maybe in our br after our <laughs> break I'll find that quote because it's, it's rang so true to what I was told in Africa. Um, well, I'm ready for my next Iboga experience. Awesome. Exciting. Awesome. Ah, yeah. Exciting. I want to be there for you. <laughs> right. In Costa Rica. Well, that would be great. Oh, now, what about you? Africa. We'll be starting to do uh, treatments a, in Africa, well, uh, in, in Costa Rica very soon. And we already have people doing treatments at the Iboga Wellness Center. That's ibogawellness.com. Uh, wonderful group of guys that we've initiated with, and women, who, who've initiated in, in Bwiti, who are treating people. Um, and those are both in Costa Rica, right? Both in Costa Rica, mm -hmm. uh, an hour apart from each other. Um, if you want... Beautiful, the wellness yeah. center is beautiful. It is. Uh, just a it's gorgeous really. place, and the guys are amazing. Uh, they're mostly Americans that we worked with, uh, and a couple of people from Norway yeah. that work with us. Um, 
we have people from all around the world uh, coming to the clinics. Now, what about in Canada? I mean, I had my ceremony in Canada. Mm -hmm. It was in the summer, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. good. In, in this yeah. city? No. Yeah. Well, near this city. Yeah. So, <coughs> if coming up in, in the very near future, as soon as we possibly can, that's the reason why Michael and I are going out and training in Costa Rica, is so that we can make a boga more accessible for Canadians, for Americans in Ontario. Yeah. In so, or British Columbia, or British or Columbia anywhere yeah. across Canada. Because yeah. we need it. We, we need do. it we everywhere. Have, we have yeah. a center in, I have in, in BC. There is yes. a center. The difference mm -hmm. is uh, this would be the first witty center. Mm -hmm. So we, we like to keep the culture intact. Mm -hmm. um, we definitely need it. We definitely need it. You know, Like I said, working at the salon, there's a lot of people coming in, and it's all life is how we look at it. And like how snowy days, like the past couple of weeks, you know, it's been crazy, but. People come in and I ask, how you doing? And they're like, oh, it's snowing. Yeah. You know, even kids are doing it. And yeah, that's yeah. the crazy part, because I'm thinking, this isn't, this isn't your true self talking. You know, you came out of the womb and you're like, oh, you know, like, life might be great. Let's do this. But anyway, kids, we I definitely need it here. If yeah. I had my snowsuit, I'd be making angels in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> we could, you know, it's, a bit, it's cold, but it's, it's, um. it's always changing. And that's the best part about it is that, um, the BOGA centers are changing. We're going to be bringing them out to Ontario. And if you want more information on a BOGA house and where we're going to be working and training, go to thenakedtruth.co. And we'll send you a lot more information on that. We're having our entire... Yep, thenakedtruth.co. We've just <clears throat> begun a site to basically give people information and to log in so they can, we can send them more information on yep. what we're doing. So sign up um, on our contact and form. And the intention too. is to eventually bring it and make it more available and help to drop the cost of this expensive medicine. It mm -hmm. is expensive. Mm -hmm. um, it's, and I, I always wondered why. Mm -hmm. Is this medicine more expensive than other medicines that we find? Obviously, it's in Africa. I just sent back a parcel. I just sent a parcel yesterday to Gabon. It, costs, it was six pounds. It cost me over $300 to send the parcel to Africa. Whoa. The, the, the stuff I sent was for the village, you know, uh, some solar lights, some solar showers for any of the new people coming to the village. And they, that only cost me $150. It cost me double to send the product there. Wow. It's one of the most expensive countries in the world. So one, uh, it's the fourth most expensive country in the world. So one of the things that we're trying to do is make it available here in Canada and in an indigenous traditional way. Mm -hmm. Because being indigenous myself, um, I want to actually offer that to people within our communities here, whether Beitie or uh, Ishnabi communities or any communities here in Canada that need it for addictions and specifically for post-traumatic stress. And I've, I've brought that up a number of times, post-traumatic stress and depression and anxiety, because those also are very, very uh, core issues within people who have addictions, right? And they refer to it as, I think, used to refer to it as dual diagnosis. And, and that's one of the issues that comes up for a lot of people, is to clear those things to help them clear their addictions. Right. Okay, so we've been going for, uh, I think, even... More than an hour. Well, yeah, maybe, oh. uh, maybe almost over an hour. I could talk is there oh, anything so else? much more to say, I'm <laughs> sure. Well, is there anything we should, that we haven't uh, talked about that we should get out on the table one, before we wrap up? One thing up? that's on the tip of my tongue right now, um, just talking about... Um, why things are why boga is so expensive? Um, there's specific traditions and rituals that need to be done when cultivating the plant and the root so that it keeps the spirit intact. 
and um, I had first-hand experience with a bad batch of aboga that was not from Gabon. It was ordered from another aboga site. Um, some friends have done this. They've ordered it trying to get off drugs or just for spiritual expansion. And um, this, was a, this was a tainted batch. And I actually did a little bit after I came back from Africa, um, just a um, uh, one capsule, one gram capsule, and it was the, a, a terrible experience. What um, happened? I'm just curious. It, well, well, yeah, that's okay. Um, well, at first I could, I was out, um, just out uh, at a gathering, and I started to see everyone's energy lines. I could see everyone's aura, and but the thing was, uh, it was a, it was a party too, and there were people drinking, so I could, I was taking in their energy, and then. Um, it just—it was nothing like the aboga that I had had in Africa, and I—it was apparently from uh, aboga plants that had not matured, and they didn't do specific rituals to keep the spirit intact. And another friend of mine had a very, very bad experience after having good aboga coming in. So anyway, that's a big reason why I'm very adamant on getting good, good aboga out to people mm -hmm. because. I've dealt with depression, I've dealt with anxiety, I've dealt with eating disorders, drug addiction, everything that I could numb myself out with. And I think it would scare someone if they had a bad batch, as yep. opposed to something that well, exactly. we know well, And works. that's the thing, respecting the plant. Yeah. There's traditional ways that they harvest it. Um, there are spiritual practices that they do before the actual, whether they, you want to look at spiritual practices or not, but there is a particular way to harvest it. And there's, there is, whether it's being, being um, I have no idea if it's tainted in any other way or how it's actually brought into any, any other way. I've never actually tried to order it or do anything like that. Um, I would only do it in ceremony. And it's like that with any other medicine. I would never do it without well, being guided. Which is important, you know, to bring that up because if people are out there thinking that they can treat themselves, you know, mm -hmm. you really need, you know, it was stressed how important to do it in tradition. Actually, before I did the ceremony, I actually got some iboga myself. It might have been tainted, I'm not sure. I didn't know what to expect. You know, I, I took it and I didn't I didn't even know that there was gonna be purging potentially. My stomach started yeah. to get a little upset and to calm it down, guess what I did? Metamucil? I ate a banana. <laughs> oh my god oh, no. <laughs> You know what that means. Oh yeah. Woo <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. That was it. That was it, yeah, Suji. That, that was it. That was it. So like a little inside of yeah. joke, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll find out soon. Who knows? <laughs> okay, guys. So um, anyway, thank you for coming in today. And, thank and you. No, we really appreciate you having us. And uh, so you mentioned two websites, and I'm just wondering if there might be any more, but thenakedtruth.co. Mm -hmm. and iBogaWellness.com. Is there anything, yeah. any other contact info that we should uh, uh, give out before we Not as it stands up? right now. Just go to thenakedtruth.co and you can fill out our sign-up form and we can be in direct contact with Michael mm -hmm. and I through there. Yeah. And we're going to be sending lots of free information and videos and just and, valuable uh, Showing people uh, the pictures of the village, uh, also the dancing, uh, the actual ceremonies themselves. Yeah. Um, so they can yeah. get naked with us. Get naked online. I mean, go beyond bondage. Seriously, you come to Costa Rica, you will get the naked truth. Yeah. And uh, you'll be able to take a look at the, at the clinic that we have, the Boga Wellness Center. It's just beautiful there. I lived in, in Costa Rica for three months the last time I was down there, and it's just paradise. Um, mm. yeah. It's the only I, country without an army. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The no longer no prime military. Prime won the Nobel Peace Prize actually yeah, for abolishing mm -hmm. the military. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys. So we're gonna wrap up now. Now we're gonna go out with some music. This is the traditional. Maybe you can set it up. Uh, yeah, this one's us. actually uh, traditional Bhutti music. It's actually Muganda. It's the shaman that we we went and uh, did our ceremonies with. And I do believe that this one particular piece is uh, in honor of his grandfather, who was the uh, the shaman who who guided him into becoming the shaman and he took over for his grandfather as the spiritual leader of the of the village and the, that particular community. So uh, this is, I guess, in honor of his grandfather. So this is uh, the kind of music that you would hear going through the ceremony, Oh yeah, right? yeah. And, so. and you get to actually participate. You get to participate in the ceremony. And that's one of the greatest things about this is you're not just, uh, you actually become a participant the ceremony. So yeah. you get to sing and you get to dance and, you know, that's uh, yeah, fun. Well, yeah. maybe we can have some uh, good uh, Ontario hemp. Delicious hemp. Psychoactive hemp or non-psychoactive hemp? Non-psychoactive hemp. This is organically grown hemp from mm -hmm. uh, our local farmers and, and this is one of our medicines that we, we have to offer in Canada. So um, it's got everything the body needs to survive in any situation. I do want to end with one thing too that was I always remember being told is that um, uh, there's so many different medicines out there that we have natural medicines whether it be marijuana or all these different things that are out there. Um, the issue, not the issue, but the the challenge is not to over medicate, and that's one of the things that you don't have to be challenged with with a boga is that you're definitely not going to be wanting to over medicate with a boga on a regular basis because you can't. Meditate, don't medicate, is that it? Yeah, meditate, don't medicate. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. I don't know, that sounds like harsh medicine. Oh, uh, that's, <laughs> no, that's a toughie. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Thank I, you, guys. This is such a pleasure. Yeah, it's thank nice. you very much. It's wonderful. Okay, so we'll see you next time, and we're going to go out with this uh, music by uh, Uganda, and uh, we'll see you all in See you all next time here on Liquid Lunch on thatchannel.com. Adios, manchachos.
Number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.